gentlemen. We have a special treat for you today. We have the one, the only. Welcome to the State Lines Network. Hey friends, welcome to episode 13 of the Boldly Going Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Sowell, as always, and I am excited about today's episode. I have some great friends on the podcast, uh, the crew from Bandit Coffee. Uh, there's a brand new uh, coffee shop here in the Tampa Bay area in uh, downtown St. Pete called Bandit Coffee, and uh, Josh and Sarah and Chris are the owners of Bandit Coffee. They are incredible. They're so great. I love their their shop. I love what their shop is about. I love uh, just them. They're just fun people. I love their philosophy about coffee and philosophy about uh, coffee shops and community and all that kind of stuff. So you're going to hear all about that from them today. Uh, the title of the episode today is Cornerstones of Community uh, because that is something they kept talking about coming back to in their episode about coffee and about coffee shops uh, in communities and, uh, and the type of people they want to be within the community. So, uh, it's really, really good. Uh, thank you for listening. Uh, this episode is really, really cool. Thank you for listening to all the past episodes. Uh, you should definitely check them out online at banditcoffee.co, banditcoffee.co. And then you can follow them on all the social medias as well as at, uh, banditcoffeeco. So go follow them, go friend them, go check out their shop, go buy their coffee, uh, just make them successful. Uh, they're already successful, but keep helping them be successful so they stick around for a long time. Um, we talk about a lot on the uh, on the podcast. We talk about coffee. We talk about owning a business, being entrepreneurs. Josh and Sarah are married, and so we talk a little bit about uh, what that's like working together, starting a business together, and then Chris being involved and kind of uh, knowing their roles and and whose whose strengths are what, and uh, working within those. So definitely check check them out. Uh, a couple things real quick as we jump into the episode. As always, we uh, we are a part of the state lines podcast network and you should definitely check out online state-lines.com go check out the other podcasts go look on itunes for the state lines podcast network uh, listen to the other podcasts look at read articles uh, so many brilliant people on the network uh, that you can uh, learn some things about uh, that you can learn from and uh, just really encourage you to go check that out. And then I'd also ask you to go check out uh, my organization, my nonprofit organization called Current Initiatives. You can check that out at engagecurrent.org. And would love for you to uh, be a part. Uh, we always encourage people getting involved in their community, uh, doing great things, doing what they can to make the, their community better, whether it be through a community organization, through a church, through uh, volunteering, giving back in some form, using your business to give back like Bandit Coffee does. So uh, so please, uh, we'd love you to join us uh, with Current to do that as well. And we'd love you to join State Lines and, uh, and just listen and learn and um, get, some, you know, get some fun entertainment from the State Lines Podcast Network. So please check that out. And here we go. We're going to jump into the episode with uh, the great crew from Bandit Coffee. It's called Boldly Going, so like the whole point of it is, for me is like um, featuring people that are just doing, like boldly going and doing a thing that they love. Um, we did a thing. Whether it's successful or not successful. I mean, you guys are successful, so good for you. Uh, are we? 
No. I mean, I think so. We're kind of You've... dead. <laughs> <laughs> you're, not, you're not dead yet. As you started recording. You're still here. Yeah, it's been recording for a couple minutes. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> but I like that. I like just, uh, I, don't, I, I don't like, like... Yeah, no, no, no. There's no... It's like just kind of a combo. Opening. Just yeah. conversation. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and by the way, anything you do, any touching or, like, banging on the table... Obviously picked up. I was going to ask that next. I have avocado on my boots. But don't call me avocado boots. <laughs> Why would I call you avocado boots? Because there's avocado on my boots. That makes so. sense. I guess you've got a point. Okay, right, so let's, let's do this thing. Cool, yeah. So we'll jump into it. So, uh, <clears throat> welcome to the podcast. Bandit Coffee. We're sitting in St. Pete, downtown St. Pete with a brand new Bandit Coffee. Josh, Sarah, and Chris. And uh, you guys are the, the, I guess, the triumphant owners. I guess there's kind of a silent partner in there somewhere too, right? But maybe, yeah, they're, part, they're not so much silent um, as much as they're extremely supportive. Uh, we, the minimalists, uh, Joshua Fields, Milburn, and Ryan Nicodemus are partners of ours. Yeah. Um, they're very much ingrained in how we already opened the shop. They're longtime friends. Uh, we have worked with them, did some photo, uh, photography for them. And got to know them really well last okay. year, um, and that relationship grew, and they kind of helped us out of a pickle. Long story short, um, but it's probably the best thing that happened to us too, because we couldn't ask for better partners to help us on the financial side, but also just business perspective, and also the way that they view and value people first, um, yeah. and their community, and how much they really have invested in us now, just as people. It's um, awesome. It's great, and. That so that that being said, they're just really strong and really great people to be working with. Yeah, um, and they're going to be around a lot more too. Um, okay, they're going to be spending about six months out of their year here um, doing their podcasts and um, you know working working from Florida. Yeah, so that's awesome. to get away from the winter a little bit. More people coming <laughs> to Florida. That's that's good. More cool people coming to Florida. So. Uh, so they, um, so you guys, how long have you guys been open? Like three months now? Four months? Four. Our fourth month now. Oh. Fourth month? Man, that's crazy. Does it feel like four months? Feels like a lifetime. Does it feel longer? It feels like a lifetime. <laughs> it feels longer, but it also doesn't at the same time. It's like a weird, just because we've been working so much um, and seeing this community a lot more too, which is the cool aspect of it. Mm-hmm. So that way it feels like we've been here a lot longer, but at the same time it's like, wow, I can't believe it. Because we still like, oh, we're new, and but at the same time, it's like, wow, we've been open a quarter already. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Oh man, we have. Wow. When everything grows around you, though, too, it's sort of hard to have any sense of benchmark of perspective of time passing. So I look back at photos that people or ourselves have taken of the shop just two, three months ago, and how different even visually things looked. But because we're a part of it growing, I suppose that passage of time isn't something that we necessarily think of right off the bat unless we have some sort of reference visually. And it makes it feel real and a lot longer than that, I think, when we think about it. But it's definitely, yeah, I think it's been pretty fast. mm, It's tricky. I feel like it's kind of like a, it's kind of like when you... Like if you have a new child or a friend of yours has a new child and then you don't see that child for like mm-hmm. six months and you can tell how much they've grown, but the person that's been with that child for six months, you can't. Like to them, it's just, yeah, normal. But you see them after six months, like, oh man, they got so much bigger. I know that feeling. 
Yeah. Is that from your own child? Yes. <laughs> but yeah, that's no. a different podcast. Yeah, that's a different <laughs> podcast. That's a different boldly going episode. <laughs> but no, Sarah's right in the aspect that it. I mean, because we're a company that's also it is us. Like, and right. all the partners involved, even the minimalists. None of none of us are made of money. None of us have. Yeah. To have so this shop, even though we got up and running, it, it was a crazy cost, but. We're still running with every day, like, okay, we made a little bit here. We're going to invest in the decks. We're going to invest in new seating soon and, and always putting it back in the company and always making changes as we go, too, because we were in a rush to get open to make money because we were already we, – we need yeah. to make money to support our community right. um, to stay open, too. So we kind of opened as a soft opening and continue to grow every little bit um, and put, them, put anything back into the company. Um, that being said, we're still new, so there's not much. But yeah. we just added the decks out to outside, so we're adding some outdoor seating. Um, oh, that's what that's for. And we're, okay. we're growing from there is the goal, um, and keep keep growing. So it won't just be like, okay, we're up and running, and then that's it. It'll it'll continue to always change the furniture here. Maybe you know there's some other things in motion, um, long long term yeah. that we're already trying to think ahead of, so that way we know. Our biggest goal is to support the people in our community and our community first and foremost. So it's how do we do that and how do we continue to do that year after year. Even though we're only four months in, we're thinking, trying to think three years in advance. What's our next move and how do we continue to grow strong? Because we are a company that wasn't made with with money. Yeah. So it it would be great to continue to grow and use that to support our community and and, be that style, that grassrootsy. We pulled this together with some shoestrings and not really sure how it all fell apart or fell into place. But but even with that shoestring budget, though, too, I think that coming from a modest place in terms of budget gives you some sort of sense of priority on what you really need to get to get open and get going. And coffee was the number one priority, putting everything quality-wise that we could into the equipment, into sourcing the best coffees that we could. Really, it but also the us. people behind those coffees too. Oh, the coffee companies we're working with are beautiful people that yeah. make excellent coffee. So yeah, so give a little con- so first of all, so like background on you guys in coffee world, um, how you kind of arrived at this point of the three of us are going to start a. I mean, you guys don't really have a choice because you're married. <laughs> I'll, let, <laughs> kind of have to do it. I'll let Chris start. Um, I was working at Buddy Brew. I started working there about two, a little over two years ago. And um, I met Josh and Sarah a few months in. Uh, they were regulars at the shop. Um, and kind of a relationship expanded from there. Lots of mutual interests. And probably a month and a half, two months after we met, Josh and I were getting lunch. And he said, hey, uh, Sarah and I have always really, really wanted to start a coffee shop. Would you be interested in helping out with that? And... You know, I said, yeah, you know, kind of talked to him about it. And over the course of like a year or something, you know, that developed. Um, we got the lease on the building. Uh, what was it, July of 2015? Yeah, it was actually May, which is May. Oh my gosh, part. dude. <laughs> so we've been in the lease for a year. Yeah, so. Oh, man. Which is crazy. That's, that's not, nuts. Which What's that? Build out. His Another podcast oh, is yeah. permitting Another. through the city of St. Pete. But. Oh, yeah. I, yes. I'm sure. Uh, but no, I mean, Chris had talked about always wanting to do something more in coffee mm-hmm. related to the general community, but also still having the availability to pursue music, um, which in a traditional sense, even where he was at at the time, it wasn't 100% possible long term. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And him and I got to know each other through music because I had been working with his band um, in my free time doing video and photo and just trying to help as much as I can because I got to know the guys and they okay. were really awesome, became brothers quite fast. Yeah. Um, but Sarah and I, with coffee at least, um, had always traveled and the first thing we did when we went to a new city is seek out the best coffee shop. Um, not only because we had an interest in coffee, but just because the people behind coffee always interest us because they're the people that are, you know, baristas and your bartenders are the ones that are always grinding hard every day that work with the community. It's the cornerstone of the community in a sense that they get to see everybody's faces every day. Mm. They know mm. what's going on. They really have a, a sense, a really strong root into what the community is. That's so true. Not to say that on. a lot of other people don't, but they're the easiest to start a conversation when you're from out of town mm. and say, They're an accessible hey, like, way. What, what do we do in town? What are the things we need to say? Because you can't just Google what to do in Boston because you're going to get a list of tourists stuff and not like when we go to a new city including Chris and which is why we click so fast is we want to see what the locals actually do what they live and mm -hmm. how they grind because that's what interests me I'm not interested in really being a tourist so much yeah I'm, or even I'm, what Yelp tells you what Google tells you like you, you can look on Yelp all day you can look on Google for the best restaurant best bar or whatever but ultimately the people that live there and experience that every day are going to know better than any website and right. that's all of us seeking experiences over things too like we're, we're going to these cities to try to get an experience that we can't get elsewhere or meet new people or just kind of go off of the books and do something different um that's kind of where it started, and Sarah and I, interest in coffee started to grow naturally after that, we started brewing at home, um, started going to a lot more shops over a long time. Uh, Sarah eventually took a job after she lost a job in advertising in coffee and realized she had much more of a passion for it, and it was a lot more exciting, and we continued to grow from there. It was weird for a while because we were still enough in the air of whether we were able to gonna be able to do this. Uh, it was really stressful and yeah. and a long road. Um, it's crazy to think that here we are now, thinking back on that about eight months ago, probably, um, which is why we didn't really tell anybody and we didn't want to sever like we just didn't want to announce something and then it fall through because right. that would have been embarrassing. Yeah, um, but just to be honest, it was just a rocky road, mostly with financials and. Yeah. and build out and permitting and all that kind of stuff. Um, yeah. It felt like for a while we were getting so much backlash, but our community did stick strong and there were a couple of key people in the community that really just helped us get there and, and finally get open. And then now being open, the community has responded and, and it has been awesome. Like we have mm -hmm. some really killer customers that we get to see and some new friends that I'd say are really great friends of ours now that we probably had known of but didn't really know very well and new people that we've never met, including a couple that just came in from England and left today that were here the last four days that it almost felt like they'd been longtime friends as and soon as I came into the shop. It that's was full so, circle. That's yeah, how we exactly. met you. It's so cool to be on, the, on that way and on the other end of the someone coming in from out of town and coming to us now. Mm -hmm. You know, like we're experiencing it from the other side and it, it really is cool. Like... To get to go out, hang out with those people, and just you know, it's it's rad. It's yeah, cool. it's cool because we don't get to get out as often anymore. <laughs> so we fight kind well, of play like yeah. we get to show off our cool community, and it's kind of weird too because I feel like all three of us at one point 
had had thoughts of moving to a city like New York or okay. Chicago or LA or yeah. I mean Sarah and I were definitely much geared towards New York. We were in advertising. I was a photographer slash designer. Sarah was very much a great designer. Oh, and interesting. I didn't know that about you. We tried to figure out like is New York the next move? And I think Chris with music and interest in photography as well. That maybe that's why we hit it off as friends too. Is because we always had like my photography started with music. So I naturally gravitated towards musicians. I used to play a terrible musician, but <laughs> I, I did <laughs> photography, and that kicked, that ended up kicking where I went. But we started to realize, even after opening this more, like we do really love Tampa and St. Pete, but for different reasons than what we thought we would yeah. before. Now yeah. it's, it's really the people that make it totally worth it. It, it is, yes, it's rough around the edges and a little different. It's not the idealized place in the world, but we have some beautiful yeah. people here that but just that totally make it. does that too? Right, like, that's what I was going to say. Like, I, so I've lived in Tampa for 16 years, and I fell in love with it pretty quickly. And there's other cities. I travel a lot, too. There's a lot of other cities I go to. And when I'm there, which I feel like is... I feel like it's the same way as, like, if you have a crappy family or you feel like you have a crappy family and then you spend time with someone else's family and you're like, oh, man, this family's so great. I wish my family was like this. But you don't see all the crappiness of their family because you only have that glimpse. I feel like it's the same way with other cities. But what, what has always bothered me for 16 years is people going, well, Tampa, Tampa Bay, whatever you want to call it, doesn't have enough of this. They're really bad at this whatever the thing is. Mm-hmm. Doesn't have the art culture which it had. Doesn't have whatever. So I'm gonna go move to a city that does have that. Instead rather than building. rather than going, you know what? I'm I'm gonna if it's not that good here, I'm gonna help make it better. Yeah. Right. And that's what we're really trying to do, which is why we took on such an ambitious space that's bigger. Yeah. We didn't want a coffee shop that only served great coffee even though we care about coffee. Um, but we wanted a bigger space that was actually gonna support the community on a bigger scale. Mm-hmm. Um, first in at events we've already we kicked off um, opening the shop with um, the minimalists showing their documentary before the theatrical release yeah. and went swimmingly well. Um, great response, great feedback, um, was awesome. Then we held a killer night, which just kind of fell in place by some great friends and great people. They um, we had we packed out the place with what 50, 60 people for that undivided event. Um, that was just really cool. And people have been asking, when are they going to do more? Add to Tampa Bay through an event in our space that was just a really great open table community talk about diversity and different issues in the young working professionals' lives. Mm-hmm. And the focus on that series was on women and talking about women in the workplace and in the community. And just an open discussion, safe place for everybody to be able to talk about yeah. And it was a really awesome event, and more people asked for more things like that, just places that we can go and talk it was and just, share I mean, a lot ideas. Of, we knew a lot yeah. of people that came, but we also didn't know, obviously, everybody, but it was just, like, Add2 was friends of ours from when I worked in advertising, and mm-hmm. Marty is who kind of made that main contact, Bridge and Bloom was the main supporters for that one, um, and it was just really cool to be able to effectively use our space for, for building a community. Yeah. Um, even though our hands weren't directly in it as a company, um, our hearts were as people and the people behind it too. Yeah. Um, and it just felt real and cool. And we have Pride coming up like at the end of the month. Mm. Oh, yeah. Um, and we're right in smack dab in the middle. So we've, um, we're working with Pride St. Pete to actually use our space effectively more than we did last year too. Okay. And stuff like that is like what we're gearing up for and trying to take advantage of because um, that's why we're here at the end of the day. Yeah. So it's been kind of a 
slow so. grow because we're still buttoning up things yeah. the, on the back end, but we're working on it. Yeah, that's awesome. So, uh, if you don't mind saying, how, how old are you guys? 26. Age range. Chris, 26, yeah. <laughs> I'm 25. I mean, turning Josh 20. and I are 25. I know, it's not appropriate to ask a woman her age. But, uh, <laughs> uh, the reason I ask is I'm so curious about, like, have you, because of your age, trying to start a business, did you did you run, run into pushback because of that? Of like, <laughs> you're so young, and all, or just the, I guess sometimes uh, the the stigma of, which I think maybe even on your part, being a woman as well, and and young trying to start a business. It's scary. It's wild. It's crazy. It's scary. I mean, we Sarah and I both have retail backgrounds since we were young. Okay. Um, and we both held like upper level management positions quite young i mm-hmm. was 18 three weeks after i turned 18 was operating assistant manager okay um, customer service and people driven industries are something that we're no strangers to on okay. that end so we always i mean we always took pride in what we did um <laughs> but now it feels good to actually take pride in what we do and actually be able to stand behind that product and the whole space yeah um and we get the wackiest people that come in and say, oh, I feel like every time someone comes in, nobody takes us for the business owner. Like, I've never had one right. person except for a friend be <laughs> like, oh, you, you guys are partners or own the business? No. It, you, if someone trying to sell us something, they go, oh, he's a... They think we're managers occasionally, which right. is funny. I don't blame them. They're professional. But we've gotten also some just wacky people that yeah. really are like, whoa, whoa. It's just incredible how people will judge you based on your visual age, appearance, right? anything like that, that people will be so quick to assume you to be into a certain role that you're, mm-hmm. you know, sort of just an hourly person just doing this right. to get by instead of, I don't know, having sort of that perspective that, you know, perhaps you could be more. So it's very interesting to see that, but it also is great because we're able to sort of get that unfiltered view and just be able to throw our passion into it and mm-hmm. know that no matter what, I mean, people are going to view us the way that they view us, and we just get to put forward our passion, and they yeah. get to receive it. And if they just see us as, like, really dedicated, seeming employees, great. But I had somebody one time who came back and said, gosh, like, that was a really fantastic customer service experience that we had with you guys. And as they got to talking to us about how the shop started and our story ended up coming out, they said, well, that makes sense why, you know, you were so great with customer service because this is your place. But Josh and I would treat any business that we worked at with that same sort of passion and that same sort of care just because that's who we are as people. Yeah. So I thought that was kind of an interesting perspective that they tagged it on our roles instead mm. of just who we are as people. So we just want to always be those people no matter what, not be like, hey, I'm the owner and like have that be how we, our I don't. Is. I, we almost don't want uh, like the general public to like know who the owners are per se we're not hiding right. it of course but it's, yeah. it's not like the first thing that comes out of our mouth you're not walking around with your owner name tag on yeah exactly if uh, people start to ask about our stories i think it's you know they definitely care and want to know us more as people but yeah definitely having that sense of sort of stepping back and just letting things happen has this nice sort of i mean and, yeah, and yeah. even walking in when when chris was working at another coffee shop in tampa it was just uh, we hit it off because he treated me with respect when I walked through the door. And I would come in like every day. I worked right around the corner at an advertising agency and so I could walk. Mm-hmm. Um, and Josh and I, and I would get fans. away and make okay. notes and read and whatnot. That was our little getaway. That was your, okay, got it. I had to get away from the office occasionally. <laughs> right. So I'd go there pretty much every day. And 
I guess I was one of the only ones like really into coffee. <laughs> Everyone else made a Keurig at work, or right. you know. Yeah. So I, I use it as my little like alone time. But then I got to know Chris. He's like, hey, try some new coffees that we just got in, or well, um, here's some coffees I brought from a trip that um, you know is from a different company that are, is really rad too. But they were highlighting as a company as well, and they even had a guest barista from that company come. Mm-hmm. But like. It was just cool, like, and that's what we tried to do here as well, is just instill that, oh, if we're trying new samples, like, why not let our customers try them as well, especially if some of our regulars, um, or just try to make the experience the best we can for them and make them feel, like, really excited to be there. Yeah. Or a it's part of it. It's so exciting when people walk in and share with us that it's their first time in, as well as if they share an excitement, they are excited to be there. Okay. Because it sort of just puts you in that mental place that you are able to deliver perhaps a very changing experience to them because they obviously have chosen to visit you for some reason, whether it's a recommendation for from a friend or just driving by. You're sort of like able to make some sort of impact on their day. And right. not everybody gets a chance to do that yeah. every day to really like have some sort of impact, as small as it may be, but it's something that I don't think that we take lightly just to be able to make a really positive experience in somebody's day. Even if yeah. it's as simple as just a really good cup of coffee and a smile. Yeah. I feel like that's just something that we we don't take for granted that we're thankful for. Yeah. I think the most that's interesting awesome. from an ownership perspective is whenever my dad's here, like working with me on something, because mm-hmm. him and I built the entire space um, and he was here with me every single day. Anytime we got approached by somebody who was trying to sell something, they'd go, oh, you're the owner? And, like, go to my dad. But my dad is, like, <laughs> blue-collar contractor who is not up on trends, even with coffees. He'll go to Wawa still. So it just always felt weird to me. Like, they can't catch on to certain clues even. Right, yeah. Um, and he'll have, like, a like a drill in his hand, and they'll, instead of coming up to me, they'll still always go to my dad and be like, hey, uh, so who owns this place? Are you the owner? Blah, blah, blah. And it's just... It's kind of like the stigma. Maybe and he's not the, old either. Maybe he's not in the gender side too, though, that one time two of the guys were working as well as myself, and they go right to the guys, yeah. not yeah. to me, to go time. sell something, right? Yeah. To the men. And, they, yeah, and he was like, true. which one of these guys is in charge here? Oh. And... <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I'm was the, your response? I'm the guy in charge. I was like, yes. Sarah, nice to meet you. <laughs> His face was priceless. I can't even imagine. Uh, obviously, I'm not, I'm not a woman, but I can't. Like, we certainly benefit as as men from that thing. I cannot imagine on your side having to deal with that. Like, for example, another guy was on my on uh, on our podcast a few episodes ago. Um, uh, you can go handle that. That's okay. Uh, but he's a he's a black guy, and we, so we talk about different race stuff. And I experienced on a very minuscule scale from a from a Christian group, similar to what I feel like he as a black man experiences, just from a race standpoint. Mm-hmm. And he was telling me a story, you know, and he told me stories. And I, I literally I said to him like, oh, "That's fine, whatever." <laughs> uh, he said to me, I said to him one time like, "Man, I I have way more respect for you." And I would say this to you as well because it, like. If I were in your shoes, I would be in prison right now because I would have killed someone for how you get treated simply because of that. Like, you're way better than I am that you didn't go, hey, asshole, <laughs> I'm the owner. Why do, you assume, why do you assume the two men standing over there are the owners? 
It's rough. It's weird. It's strange because it's something that I haven't necessarily experienced on an everyday level to that capacity. So it's, it's kind of unsettling to know that I'm not the only one and that it is so much worse. So it definitely, you know, grounds me in that sense that I have more of an understanding and trying to you know talk about it too I think it's something that's important that if more people are aware this is happening um even the guys when we did the undivided event and had that community discussion about diversity issues and and women um a lot of the guys had some really great discussion points including Josh and Chris themselves about how just as you know friends just not necessarily policing each other, but just sort of being mindful about just those small things that may be subconscious in our culture yeah. that just aren't mindful of equality. And yeah. that's really an important thing just to continually to, you know, just be mindful of because I think sometimes it's, you know, easily overlooked and it can be harmful in a yeah. larger scale. For sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what's it like? A few things I'm curious about. What's it like as a entrepreneurial team like the three of you all being owners and and bosses if you will I mean you have like one or two employees but like your roles with each other was there a conscious effort of like all right you're good at this you're good at this you're good at this or is it just kind of like you just kind of I think that I think the further the longer we've been open they've kind of morphed together more but I I definitely say that there's still um, there's still you know certain people that are better at certain things Sarah is great at making sure the Instagram feed stays awesome, as well as many other things. Josh, like, kills all the financial stuff. I mean, I don't know what particular I do, but I think especially... I I think we all have a good... We all have, like, a killer... uh, There's a few things that are, like, obviously people gravitate towards generally. I feel like I, I have a big background in retail, so, like, making sure managerially everything gets ran and cleanliness wise and just staffing and workflow okay. but in general like everyone's Sarah and Chris had to up on me and coffee so like I, for the first month I was the newbie to actually working behind bar I knew brewed coffee didn't know espresso as well other than the first like the last six months before opening I was traveling as much as I could to try espresso at different shops which okay. was the biggest thing so it was just refining my palate yeah. as much as possible um, and I feel like that's what helped the most, but still just workflow on the machine from the first couple of weeks for me was rough. Um, it's rough for everybody though. Yeah. And you're a very technical person, so you caught on very quickly. It's definitely something that you've jumped on. Yeah. And if you dedicate yourself to something like that, you can, I, I think, learn pretty quickly, but Josh has got the numbers brain for sure. <laughs> so it's that's... just, yeah, the smart one of the <laughs> stressful, but, um, <laughs> I think the one thing that the reason why we're all here is because customer service-wise, all of us actually care about the customer. Our values align. Which is why we're here. It's all like the little details on the back end that obviously need to be tight, but they can be worked on, but you can't really like, you can't make somebody care about a customer. Um, And we all kind of saw that in each other from the beginning. And and the other, you know, Seth and Katie work here um, as well, and I would... I would say I'm comfortable with either of them speaking as a manager or whatever role. They don't really, no, we don't really put labels on things here, but yeah. they are very much uh, extremely hardworking people that, that take a lot of um, just control of the situation and can speak for the company at any time, uh, I think, personally. 
Um, it's all a team effort for yeah. sure. I mean, some of us will have certain roles just to help things, you know, go more smoothly and have that responsibility go on, but it's definitely such a team effort and that's yeah. really important and exciting to be a part of. Yeah. Especially as a business is very new. It's yeah. good to know that you have each other's backs. That's awesome. Um, what's it like being married and working with each other and being around each other all the time? It, it's crazy. Like ever since Josh <laughs> and I have... <laughs> Sometimes I feel like I'm married to Chris, but <laughs> pretty much is. <laughs> minus minus a few key things, you know. That's funny. I mean, we yeah, spend, yeah. We, we on average right now are working close to 65 hours a week each. Um, and we're here, a day for us is about 12 to 13 hours, depending on what the day is before or after. There's certain things that we still are buttoning up. Um, like you saw me working on the cold yeah. case. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and then so, he disappeared in there. It was like, at one point, did he, did he crawl in there? Josh I don't see him anymore. In the it's just like one of those things where you, like, you have to get stuff done. Um, and there's as much time as you set aside, it's never going to get done. So you just got to do it. Um, yeah, it's annoying, but like every little thing, like adding a shelf here or adding something there, you're just get, I'm trying to get it done. Um, but marriage-wise, I think it's it's not obviously the easiest thing. Um, it just comes down to communication and drawing a line somewhere with saying like, hey, we'll talk. If the, obviously, my personal opinions on. Marriages are, they, they make little to no sense until emotionally it's like, it makes all the sense. Yeah. Um, so it all comes down to communication and understanding that this isn't about you, it's about us. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I think, really hard for a lot of people. I mean, and it was for us until we put it into words and realized, yeah. like, we're not doing this for a one-on-one basis. We're doing it for us to be stronger together. Um, so we have to reflect that on the business as well. Obviously, working together, we see each other a ton. Um, and there's certain things that we have to just communicate and make sure, okay, like, hey, we'll talk about this later with a clear mind. Um, maybe we, we just, and I do that, with, I think that's with Chris, though, too. I, I don't think, I don't go home with Chris most of the time. I did sit, I did go in a, <laughs> I did live in a van with him for three weeks, um, which was fun. Smelling? Yeah. It wasn't the that tour, was We haven't even done the van thing for three weeks. Yeah. So, I mean, I feel like that's probably, that would probably cause more fights than going to work together every day, living in a <laughs> oh, van you'd for be surprised. Common enemies are powerful. You just, get, <laughs> you just get loopy, honestly. I mean, for us, we don't have time to even argue or anything because we're so tired from working in all honesty. It's just... We figure it out, we push through, and we get on to the next day. Um, we get and we try to think logically. At the end of the day, I mean, at the end of the day, you just have to have fun and understand that our time that we have outside of the shop is very valuable time to be able to spend with each other. That, yeah. you know, may be necessary to talk about shop things, but also. It's hard to, not to put to that away. It is hard because it is such on the forefront of our brains, whether it's something as simple as, you know, an idea that we have or just even the funny thing that may have happened at the shop that day. So it's not something that we try to repress, but it's something that definitely you have to be mindful of not overtaking your marriage. And still all of this initial legwork is something that we know is is not forever. So doing yeah. this together and knowing that we're growing and learning together through it is something that we'll be able to look back on and go, yeah, remember that time we had a coffee shop? <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, it's also kind of refreshing at the same time, to an extent. I mean, because it's like, 
even in advertising, I was so exhausted to talk about my day, I never wanted to. Um, whereas this is a little easier and more relevant, obviously. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Chris and I are friends outside of the shop. Sarah and Chris are friends outside of the shop. We're f- great friends with Katie and Seth as well. So I, I think we just, what we, works for us, we try to transfer to each other and realize, hey, like, we're in this together. We have a common goal, and that's to support the people around us in our community. Um, so we just need to try to think, like, hey, if I did something to piss you off, I didn't mean to. Um, yeah. And, and I realized, even if it doesn't make sense to me, like, I, I did something that, oh, it makes total sense for me to do it this way, but somebody else is like, hey, I, I don't like when you do it that way. Do you mind doing it this way? Of course, I want to make it easier for everybody. So yeah. it's having a mutual understanding and just open communication. And that's it's been hard at times and really easy at times. Yeah. And we're still working through it. Um, I think because we do all have such a personal relationship with each other, it's not like a cut and dry, you work here and this is what you do. I think for right. me it was right. way easier when I worked retail in the mall because I had a, I am the manager, even right. though I was everybody's supposedly favorite manager and knew when to goof off, but I also knew when to pull the, like, hey, this is what we have to do to get done. It was also kind of easier, though, too, because I could pull the card of, like, this is what upper management says, right. though, yeah. so we got to go by the book, so try mm. to make my job easy, too. True. Yeah. We're but now it's like, oh, crap. It's self-driven, <laughs> yeah. And I think we've all grown a lot as people through the last few months to a year because you're put in so many different experiences and so many different situations that you normally aren't, and that's... I think something that's really special, too, just to be able to reflect back on that and realize that we've grown so much as people through these experiences, and yeah. no matter what the, the end outcome is of you know, this business or the numbers at the end of the day, we're just growing as people, and we can take that with us onto whatever ventures we have in life. Yeah. Well, that, and that, like, the main reason why we are the group we are, Sarah and I didn't want to start shop to where we're like, all right, we're locked down. This is the rest of our life. Done. Mm, um, we want to still keep travel very much in obviously the first year or two are going yeah. to be but like we want to build in a program to where everybody that's a partner here is very much okay to travel because it's kind of weird like the way people start businesses now and like even in a cool atmosphere mm-hmm. people just get I don't know like put down so much for wanting to go on tour or taking off more than a week at a time right um, so I know I love travel, and Chris is very much in music, and Seth that currently works here now um, is in a band as mm-hmm. well, and wanting to tour. So we wanted to build a program that would allow the partners or employees to still be able to travel, obviously within respect and not you know, yeah. taking advantage yeah. of anybody else working here, but just being able to get out there and, and keep that a main reason why we still did this shop. Yeah. That's really cool. That's a, definitely a different approach, which I'm sure you both experienced in uh, your backgrounds before this and the types of types of jobs you work for. It's fascinating too in America how how it, having friends from England that are like I remember having a conversation the other day. My mom is a nurse and she's like for 40 years almost, like right at 40 years she's been a nurse. And uh, I want to say her her like vacation time at 40 years is like you know, three weeks out of the year is what she gets or something like that. And I remember having this conversation with some friends from England and they, I was asking them about like their holiday that they were on and how long they had off. And they're like, yeah, we're here for like a month. We're like traveling for a month or whatever. And I was like, man, that's crazy. They let you do that? And they're like, oh yeah. Like 
over there, like new job, like you start out with like three three weeks of vacation or four weeks, like if you're like brand new to the company. And I'm like, that's nuts. My mom's been a nurse for 40 years, and that's like that's like the pinnacle right. of what you get almost. Yeah. And it doesn't even come down to money yet. I mean, it's great to have paid time off, but we just wanted to make a program that was like okay, like almost in. A, I yeah. felt like wherever I work. If you asked off for more than a week at one time, it was almost like a, whoa, what are you doing? Why, yeah. why would you want that? Why are you doing this to us? Um, which we want to respect each other. And right now it's hard for us to take any time off. But sure. uh, we want that to be a goal where it's like, okay, I can, hey, I'm going to effectively communicate You know, this month. I'm going to take off the entire month to do this. And we're going to staff properly for that. And that, right now we're trying to build that up so that yeah. it's it, like... It definitely is one of the luxuries of a service industry, though, that there is that flexibility with it. And yeah. it allows me to, I think, personally respect people more that you know choose to stay with a service industry job for their whole lives because of that flexibility that allows them to pursue their other passions or travel right. or do other things. And yeah. I think it's just kind of interesting when you gain that mindfulness about what people want out of their lives and why they may choose to, you know, float priority to certain parts. And we definitely want to travel and experience more places and, and meet more people. So that's important to us as a business to keep that for our employees and people who may come through and yeah. be respectful I mean, of that. Sarah and I want to travel for a lot of reasons. We, I mean, we value experiences over things in a lot of ways um, and met some crazy cool people while traveling. And I mean, every, no one can argue that traveling is not fun. Yeah. But our, our goal, again, is to travel and get to, like, actually being great in the city. So you can't really do that in two days. Like, mm-hmm. it's hard to just be like, okay. So you kind of hit the highlights and then you're out before you realize it. But at the same time, like, to... Like, Chris is in a band and very much wants to travel, and I think it's weird that in America, for whatever reason, it's it's unheard of to pursue your passions unless you're, like, huge already for some reason. Yeah. Like, and uh, the people that do get big, we don't talk about their story as much. Like, they were grinding in this club, you know, playing mm-hmm. every night after night after night and spending all their money out of their pocket. Like... I feel like these other jobs, even in the service industry, still almost ask, oh, you play music? Huh, that's cute. Right. Um, yeah. And, it, and it's funny until, you know. But even at the end of the day, if, if your band doesn't become a big band, why, why are we shunning people? What, why is that the only objective? If you really, yeah. truly care about music or photography or travel or any of these things, like, you should be able to do those things. And they're still super valuable, I feel like. Whether, even the tour I went on with Chris's band, I feel like... We paid for our food out of pocket. We paid for gas out of pocket. But that was an experience that I'll never trade for a lot of things in the world. Yeah. I had nothing. To, I think it was successful, even though from a financial standpoint, yeah. it was very much not successful. Yeah. That's, uh, no, I'm glad you said that, too, because that's part of, the, part of the reason I started this podcast is I wanted, I got so tired of people hearing, hearing people uh, complain about the job that they had or just not happy with life in general. And they would say things like, oh, "I wish I, you know, wish I could do this, or I wish I could tour with my band, or I wish I could do these things." And I was always like, you, mm-hmm. "I mean, I'm, I feel like you can. Like, why don't you do it?" But I think there's such a there's such a mentality in America, especially that we benchmark everything by success of popularity or uh, financial, especially rather. with social now and other yeah. people's expectations. Right. Other people's expectations. Uh, well, I can look you up and say, how many followers does Jason have? How many listeners is this? Yeah. And gauge without even talking to you. Right. Like put a number to what your presence right. is. Exactly. Which is crazy. Yeah. And so for, yeah, exactly. And I, I feel like if I can, 
if I can put stories in front of people that are, you know, they're not necessarily famous or well-known or whatever it is, but they're doing the thing that they love and they're, they're being good at it, and the success benchmark for them is, is my passion, and that's why I'm doing it. Mm-hmm. And whether anybody knows about us, I don't care, but at the end of the day, I love what I'm doing, and I get to go home, and I sleep well, and my bills are paid, you know? Like, to me, the experience, like what you said, the experience is what outweighs the experience and growth of, mm-hmm. of a human being is what outweighs the am I successful by the rest of the world standards of people know who I am. Yeah. And it's hard, especially with what we all did before. I mean, I mean, we still do. I don't want to lose sight of photography. I just wanted to switch gears and change up who the clients actually are. Yeah. Um, I realized I wasn't shooting for myself anymore and I was shooting for mm. people. And no one ever saw the work, though. That was the problem. I was like creating work, all this work, but nobody ever saw it. I mean, nobody that I knew ever mm-hmm. saw it. It was always in a weird spot here or there. It's here today, gone tomorrow before it could even blink. Yeah. And on to the next project that has this crazy tight deadline. And I was just done with that. I can no. say I was just scared. I, I didn't have the guts to say goodbye. And so I actually had lost my job in advertising and oh, wow. had finished up a bunch of projects I had worked on for months. Came back the first day from the new year and turned everything in. And they were like, all right, you're done. Oh. Bye. Go pack up. So... I called Josh and my mother and said in tears, holding all of my things. I had so many things in my desk, and I'm holding all my things in the parking lot. And I'm just calling them saying, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me, knowing that I was done but just wasn't strong enough to do it. And um, I don't know if I would have been strong enough to do it. I don't know where we would be if actually I hadn't hadn't lost that because that was something that definitely kicked a lot of this into gear. Um, I looked to Chris after traveling for a little bit for plans that we already had had. Um, I looked to Chris and said, hey, I've always wanted to be a barista or work in coffee in some capacity. You know, do mm-hmm. you think you can help me out? And so it was sort of great to be able to work in, in coffee and work directly alongside you, which was a really cool experience, I think, just to get all of this started. And it wasn't even necessarily a plan at that point that this was happening, yeah, but it was... was still up in the air then. We didn't for know sure. It was still a dream. Was it was just a conversation. Sure go through. It was yeah. still a dream. Like, yeah. But it was really, really, I think, helping to get those gears started that we yeah. were working together, and it at first was just a part-time, hey, this is something that I think will occupy my time in the midst of us pursuing freelancing, but gosh, it excited me so much more to be able to work in coffee and with people. I didn't realize how much I missed people, missed working outside of a desk Mm. capacity, how much I really enjoyed it. So that sort of helped get this all going. It's an interesting thing, too, because I feel like most people, perspective in the moment, I think, is everything. Because you could have walked out of that office going, well, that's the end. I don't know. What am I going to do now? Like, that's the end of my, not life, but that's the end of my, you know, just in collapse and let that, like, you know, fall under the weight of that mm-hmm. rather than going, this is a great thing. Mm-hmm. Now I have, now I can do, what is it that I want to do? What yeah. do I love? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that do? can happen anywhere, though, at any time. Yeah, um, for sure. Even now where we are, just because we're open doesn't mean to say that, like, six months from now, we would be closing. Obviously, that would suck, and not what we're planning for. Yeah. But we just have to take into mind that, like, we're rolling with it as long as we 
know we're doing the best we can day in day out then that's what we have to be okay with and realize nothing is definite to right. our success does not it's not defined by the success of, of this business so many people i mean there's countless stories of people who you know open a business and it fails and they open more and it fails it's not to say that that's going to be what happens here but it's not something that we're necessarily afraid of because that'll just over occupy your time if you're afraid of that so we're just making sure that we're doing the best that we can with everything that we're doing here and knowing that life will happen yeah it's hard mainly because we're put up next to buildings that are literally 10 to 30 times our budget for build out and staffing and payroll uh, the new restaurants that open down the street three million dollar build out Get out of here! Yeah. And I, 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 I didn't think that, but I, I mean, it's probably mostly in their kitchen. Of course, that, that doesn't. Yeah. But, but, but even like some of these other smaller local businesses still have for build out for a restaurant had literally ten times our budget, um, and because me and my dad built everything, so we didn't actually pay a contractor. We, right. we had to do it all ourselves. We did um, all the design work. We've Chris was here helping me weld when neither of us are welders, <laughs> and. So we did it to get open. It's hard yeah. not to compare ourselves, because, but it's also kind of flattering when someone comes in and is like, "Oh, is this a chain?" Because, as as weird as it sounds, you really get asked that. We a lot? Just, it, oh yeah, today I did just this morning. So how many bandits are there? Just, just I guess because of the space is designed well, they <laughs> think amazing. that oh, like it's functional, so it yeah. has that chain vibe. Branding is a pretty cool thing with that too. I I think that yeah, it's a, it's a big compliment to to branding. Sure. And. I mean, at first it comes, it came off as like, oh wow, are we like Starbucksy, like sold out look? But no, it was because it was put together that they go, oh, like you yeah. guys get it. There must be at least another one. It's professional, yeah. yeah, yeah. It doesn't look like, it doesn't look like you just threw it together and like. Sometimes yeah. we feel that way. <laughs> Sometimes yeah. we feel that way, but I suppose that it is our backgrounds with, you know, working in our advertising industry that that is. Well, even, I mean, even Chris though, with like had killer aesthetic with design and fashion, but also build out and similar style. Like we would, cause we all traveled. So when we all travel, I think all of our minds had like, Hey, what's going on? Not knowing necessarily what are the goods and the bads, but just like, Oh, what makes this space inviting? What? Because we're all photographers as well. So I think yeah. we're naturally, we're drawn towards how light moves around a room, but also how design, it feels. visuals. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot that goes into that. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, yeah, I think that is the, I feel like that's the thing that is hard to teach. Like, a lot of people have a good business idea. And mm-hmm. I've walked in, I've been to a lot of shops. I travel a lot too. I'm sure you guys have all been to a lot of coffee shops. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you can definitely walk into shops and go, great idea, doesn't, but it doesn't feel the same. But you go into a shop that they understand design and light and all of that, a completely different feel to it. It's so hard because we had such a shoestring budget to not try to compare ourselves to to the absolutely, obviously we have an ideal of what we would want to be. Yeah. So it's kind of hard sometimes to, we just have to say no. We have to take pride in really doing the best we did with how much money that we had. Like, yeah. If it's crazy to think about how we got where we are with how yeah. much we had in the bank. But you're great. Yeah, but that's like I think that's a great testament to most people thinking if I'm going to start my own business or I'm going to start. You know, I'm gonna pursue my dream, whatever it is. I have to. I need so much money. It's gonna cost so much. And I feel like there's a lot of stuff. Like it's almost like we talk ourselves out of it by that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. rather than if you just go and start doing it. I, 
you guys figured out like, oh, it's not going to cost us as much maybe as we thought. Like we can build this thing ourselves, or we can we can still pull it off and not and not have three million dollars to do a build out. Wish we did. Yeah, well, I'm sure. And even still, with that, it it requires not maybe necessarily opening at 100%, not necessarily being at 100% of where right. you want to be. So like I was saying before, like taking priority on those things, it allows you to keep perspective of what is important and what you can continue to to grow on. So a lot of that's visual things that we want to grow on and okay. things like that are necessarily imperative to our business runnings, but things that we've been able to continue to add on to. As simple as just like you see like little like shelving things and right. different pieces around that definitely make our lives easier and that will look better, but we just didn't have the time and money and ability to get that open when we started and you just have to be open. Well, yeah, 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 that's it took but it's crazy because a couple of people are like, oh, wow, that's awesome. Sign of improvement. It's great. You guys are doing well then. Yeah. But the other time, there's a couple of people that are like, I had one guy while I'm literally dripping in sweat building this with my dad uh, for a day straight go, it's about time you guys got outdoor shooting. <laughs> and I'm like, what? Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> like, I can barely breathe right now. <laughs> it's about that's that. funny. But I mean, I mean, the majority of the people have been awesome and been like, wow, this is really cool. I'm glad, yeah. you, I'm glad this is, like, in motion. And something as simple as a deck. Oh, yeah. Is there's, cool. Yeah, there's stuff like that. I, um, they call it the, uh, what do you guys call it? The Apple philosophy, basically. Like, there's a guy named uh, Guy Kawasaki that's an author Years ago, he wrote a book called The Art of the Start. It's all about like starting a business and all, you know, or whatever it is. And he was one of the first, what they called evangelists for Apple, uh, back when, before Apple was really the cool thing, like they were trying to get it out. And one of the things he took away from that, that he talked about in his book, was that um, Apple's philosophy was it doesn't have to be perfect when you start it. Like, if you wait till it's perfect, you'll never... Whatever that product is, the thing you're trying to do, if you if you wait till you get all the all the things right, you'll never start. So get it out in the world and then fix it as you go. Because customers are gonna point things out you're, as you're working through it. Oh, we should tweak this a little bit, or we need to add this to it. You know, and at least that way you've at least got your thing in the world, and then fix it from there. Right. It's understanding that perfection is unattainable, but striving for. Or perfection that makes great design and great companies. Yeah. And I think even naturally, it's kind of crazy even like running, like meeting and now the minimalist being business partners with us is nuts because from a design perspective, we've always been minimalist. Like even uh, senior in college, I wrote my design uh, statement based on how my branding was always taking away as much as possible to make something extremely effective was good design because you can always kind of clouded up with a bunch of stuff but they're only distractions right so making it as simple as possible but effective is true good design in my opinion yeah and but personally i still had an attachment to things and all that kind of stuff so right. over time it started transferring my personal life but i think now that's transferred into a business and allowing us especially me to really really just care about every single person that walks through the door to the best of our ability is, is the goal yeah and and remind ourselves that our shop may not be as ideal as we want it to be in terms of, oh, we don't have the marble tables we wanted or, you know, there's proper lighting that costs 10 times as much. But at the end of the day, we have people that are meeting here, coming here to drink excellent coffee um, and just take advantage of our space that was a vacant building for two years. Right. So even though it's not ideal, it's amazing to see all these people taking advantage of, of this and us being able to support it and actually be a part of it. Yeah, that's awesome. 
So uh, one thing I'm curious about too is why St. Pete? Why did you open in St. Pete as opposed to Tampa or someplace else? Uh, St. Pete is my hometown, so I was born here and I spent the first 12 years of my life here, but um, it always just felt like a really nice community that had definitely different perspective, I think, than other, you know, surrounding cities in the Tampa Bay metropolitan area. When we moved back from college, Josh and I both went to the same college, went to Flagler College in St. Augustine. St. Augustine's a very similar feel of a town, which we really enjoyed. Um, Very bike-friendly, even architecturally, like all the homes are those like 20s-style bungalows. So coming back to St. Augustine reminded us of of St. Augustine and um, just sort of that really... That really nice community that's small and supports independent local businesses. It's another parallel to St. Augustine. A lot of just local independent businesses. The city itself for the downtown historic area has forbidden any corporate businesses from entering and opening up shops. So seeing St. Pete and just going through the streets and feeling that same sort of sense of just local small businesses... It definitely felt like a good place when we were being mindful of opening up a shop. It felt right, as well as just my own roots and seeing how much of the art community has grown here mm-hmm. over the last two years, five years, 20 years. is just really, really cool. So I'm, it's just... Yeah, oh, sorry. Go ahead. I mean, it's, it's kind of <laughs> funny and weird because we were shooting... Uh, Sarah and I were working on shooting a line for a friend uh, here in St. Pete, and we were waiting for Golden Hour to set up... Um, so we, we were shot in Bright Sun and needed a four-hour gap. Mm-hmm. So we were shooting at a building, and I was like, this building's vacant, and it's cool. This would make, like, a really cool coffee shop. It'd be really rad. Um, and then we also realized, crap, what do we do for the next four hours? Like, yeah, we can go to Dolly. Already been there recently. We can go, you know, a couple of these places. Or we go to a restaurant, but it's kind of awkward to hang around a restaurant Just for a couple hours. a table for hours. Oh, yeah, right. So, and we were into coffee at the time, but not nearly as much as we are now, obviously. But it just kind of was like, dang, St. Pete really does need a good coffee shop, even if it's just a mingling ground. Yeah. Um, and, and, Tamp- and it grew. And as we got even more into coffee, Tampa was um, a saturated market, even though we live in Tampa. Um, you know, we have Buddy Brew that kind of started the third wave coffee in Tampa, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, it's where we cut our teeth and we're able to learn as a consumer and on the barista side, but definitely St. Pete was feeling that that need for some coffee love. Yeah. Well, we had, sure. Then we started becoming really great friends with Comedy Co. Um, yeah. And as King State opened, we naturally became great friends with them. And they're very much in our community circle of just people really building a community. Right. And St. Pete didn't really have a third wave coffee shop at all. Um, and it's kind of weird to come in. They had a lot of coffee shops, but not uh, the kind of style. And it's yeah. hard to come in. So we just kind of say we're different to the general public at first. Right. And they kind of catch on a little bit later. But um, we didn't want to feel like we were taking over St. Pete either as coffee. Um, so we wanted to very much make everyone know that we're a community space that just takes coffee too seriously sometimes probably. <laughs> right. But yeah. not pretentious enough to shove it down people's throats either. Right. Um, and also at the same time, like our homies were in Tampa, and we were very much, even from a design perspective from the beginning, wanted to grow a community. We came to St. Pete all the time. I feel like a lot of Tampa people still don't come to St. Pete and vice versa, right. with over a 20 minute bridge ride. Right. And from a design perspective and an art perspective, we were thinking of how, how are ways that we can grow St. Pete and Tampa together 
Um, yeah. So then naturally that progressed into coffee, how can we do that? And so we worked very closely with uh, Common & Co. and King State to try slowly over the years trying to grow the coffee community, but that effectively transfers to the general community and our community and you know the people that reside both ways. And it's cool because we would have people like, oh, I drove from Tampa to come hang out here today. It's really cool. Right. Not to say that we started any sort of perspective of that, but it definitely helped us, I think, see people that we know from the Tampa side end up coming over much more regularly and even start to explore St. Pete right. where they really didn't before. So it's kind of humbling to be that. I mean, I kind of get it. We, we came here often. Uh, so And I actually worked in St. Pete. Uh, I worked uh, at Harbor Cove with Marty. Okay. And um, so I was driving with St. Peter already. So I knew it wasn't that very far. I knew the cool places to go and hang out, grab lunch. So it, it just seemed like a yeah. quick jump over the bridge. But it's really, we got to know that over time. So it's even funny, like Seth first started just by helping out here. Um, and he's still a freelance barista at the mm-hmm. moment. Uh, he works here in Commune and a couple other places. Right, right. But it, it's so funny because now he's dragging his friends over to St. Pete yeah. occasionally. And he dra- we just saw him today on his day off. And yeah. he's still, because he's like, oh, yeah, it ends up not being a lot. It's a lot yeah. closer than I remembered or thought. And, right. And uh, so we're trying to, even just with coffee, plan events to where it's like, oh, like Jacksonville did something very similar, which is really cool to see that the coffee community is very small. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of nuts. I mean, it's so tight knit, even in Florida. Even though Florida is such a large state, yeah, geographically, our coffee community is so small that we all drive to support each right. other. Yeah, no, that's super cool. I love, I love what you said too about like growing St. Pete and Tampa together. Because I feel like they're like. Depending on which side of the bay you're on. It's a weird very, divide. It's a, it is a weird divide. And Marty was the first one that posed that question and interesting statement to me because I was traveling a lot and she was like, I really feel a divide from the design community in mm, St. Pete and Tampa. And then we started talking and we were like, okay, in the art community in general, there's a huge divide. And yeah. then it just started like, it was just in general, there's this huge weird divide and we started to realize... And I think she still has plans to try, that's her main goal, is to try to like focus on more community-driven events to that. But the idea is, like, why, why are we, we're almost separating ourselves off as cities. Like, Tampa's better right. in St. Pete, St. Pete's better in Tampa. And we've both been to both cities and heard yeah. both people complain about right. both. Yeah, yeah. But at the same time, why, why aren't we talking about the Bay Area as a whole to bring more creatives here, more, commu- yeah. more people to move here that, that want to invest in communities? Yeah. And, and how do we work together? And I think that came down to like even the mayors for the last twenty years have been battling each other in cities. Yeah, yeah. Well, and yes, and it comes from both sides of the bay. Um, I read a quote one time from one of the mayors, and I won't say which city it is, but uh, they they got asked a question in this news interview about, and it was referred to as Tampa Bay, and the guy <laughs> the guy corrected him and said, uh, "We're not a body of water." we are and they named the city like mm-hmm. we're not a body of water Tampa Bay is a body of water and I was like no like that's a terrible attitude to have like we're yeah. like uh, I just think San Francisco has the Bay Area and granted you know San Francisco and Oakland have very different identities they're huge yeah. that. In they're so huge in comparison to mm-hmm. St. Pete and Tampa and we're just letting a bridge Right. Yeah, exactly. And some water separate right. our communities, and there's so much more strength to be had with us connecting and our Absolutely. our our circles, respectively, on the Tampa and St. Pete side are so small that we might as well just all come together and make the best of 
this awesome place that we have here. Yeah, absolutely. I think it comes down to like people taking, like they almost have to tell you why they chose to live where they did, but mm-hmm. almost in a way of like, oh, I live here because St. Pete sucks. I live here because campus sucks. And right. It's like we still feel actually some weird kind of when we tell people that we still live in Tampa, but we're running the shop in St. Pete, they're like, when are you going to get to St. Pete? Right. Although that isn't our intention, it's very much like this sort of, oh my gosh. Yeah. I don't mind You're it. You're still an outsider because you don't live here. Yeah. I kind of like it because we're here during the day and we get to hit up the like, great lunch spots and then at night yeah. as we'll hit up dinner here or we're already going back to Tampa, we'll hit right. up dinner in Tampa and see and a lot of our circles naturally blend together anyway. Yeah. So it's kind of nice to be able to like be a part of both cities yeah. by living and working so much in one and I think when we do officially move to St. Pete just because we, we want to we work 60 hours 6 days a <laughs> yeah, week that's a long, we right. want the commute to be as short as possible Yeah, uh, but we'll still very much spend a lot of time in Tampa always yeah. no matter what because the goal is again to grow this community as a whole not grow it as just St. Pete's better right. because the more people we bring to Tampa it's better for St. Pete and the more people yeah, we bring to St. Sure. Pete it's better for Tampa too Yeah, so just I'm facing the same thing my fiance is a St. Pete mm-hmm. native, mm-hmm. and she she works right around the corner. And it's easier for me to make the commute because I work my own business, I own my own thing, so I can do you know I set my own hours and stuff. Eat the traffic. So I yeah. So I'm like I'm wrestling with the I've lived in Tampa for 16 years, even though I love St. Pete and I see it as a whole. Like to me, it's I'm moving. I'm gonna have to move to a completely different area, and. But I'm still, like, I'm going through that mentally as well, too. Like, it's okay for me to live there, and it's better. And it's, like, you know, it's better all the way around, but it's going to grow, help grow the entire region as well, mm-hmm. you know. So there is I get the it. Tampa people and the St. Pete people. Yeah, it's weird. I it's know. so strange. It is. Chris, why are you so quiet? I'm you just look listening. like you're fall asleep over there. Oh, no, I'm far from asleep, <laughs> dude. Uh, okay, so we'll wrap up here in just a second. One, cool, one thing I am curious about, too, is uh, where the name came from. Bandit. What's that all about? We had a bunch of weird names to start off at first. Let's go through some. I mean, I'm really glad where we ended up now, but like the original idea was, oh, the common, and this was an idea based on something like like four or five years ago. Okay. All right. And then Commune and Go opened, and we're like, oh, it's way too similar. Like, I I could go back to And it wasn't even a coffee concept that we had in mind. It was still just a very community-driven space. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But we didn't have... It was a bigger idea. It was just a... Just never mind. A dream. (laughs) Um, And then when we started coffee, we're like, oh, that could be a name. And then Commune and Co. opened, ended up being great friends, obviously, now. But we just didn't want something that was way too similar anyways. Um... Then our name was Locale, and okay. Locale Market opened within right. six months after that, uh, or announced they were opening. I saw a news yeah. article, and I just <laughs> I remember the that phone. Day. I just handed the phone to Josh, oh, and it was like, Locale Market, a new food concept opening in St. Pete. Of course it was St. Pete, though. That's what was crazy. He's like, why St. Pete, though? <laughs> That's oh, crazy. Hi. It's just a That's weird amazing. coincidence, because yeah. there was no other Locale ever, and that was the original name for a film concept I had. So he already okay. had some nice branding done, and we oh, were like, man. oh, yeah, that'd be cool. But, I mean, it ended up working right. out because I, I, we don't like either of those names now, and I can't imagine calling, like, oh, yeah, let's go to the comment or let's go to Locale. Because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh, I don't feel it actually truly is an identity to who we were. Yeah. Then we had, like, I mean, this, the dumb name that I was holding on to for a while was uh, Staple. 
for some reason. <laughs> Chris, Chris, and Sarah, Chris and Sarah are literally like, no, this is ridiculous. No. This is the dumbest name ever. So nice. Because <laughs> they were like, well, they're staples. And people are going to think of awful Oh, dude, let's go hit up Staple later. Get some cappuccinos. Get some flat whites. So I, it came over like a long time, but like, uh, I, th- I forgot why. I, was, I remember sitting at home and I was like, we had a group chat going on, and I was like, what about the name Bandit? Um, and we, it just seemed like a cool name at first, and then we started making, like, it actually fits, and here's why. It fits in a lot of ways. I mean, we already had it established we were very minimal. We wanted black and white as, like, kind of mm-hmm. aesthetic to what we do. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did do some, you know, like, research with friends and, you know, like, chatted with ideas. Like, hey, does this have a negative connotation? And yeah. we are like, no, it doesn't have to. It really doesn't have to. Right. It's edgy right. enough to be different, but not, obviously, like, it's... We, we wanted to play it safe, but yeah. we wanted to realize that from the name, we're a little bit different. We're kind of doing things a little bit on the odd side, um, but we're taking control of what we're doing. Very proud of what we're doing as well. So yeah, it's no, I, I dig it. I I'm a big fan of like titles, like clever titles of things or names of businesses, and certain words like even if it has no meaning, like just word, certain words just. They kind of had a ring. Yeah. We we like that we can even identify ourselves under the name. Like, Mm -hmm. we're bandits. Yeah. Like, that's that's just kind of It's like a natural mascot. But I think if if, if we think about it a little bit, it... We are the non-typical coffee shop. Most other coffee shops started either really small and slowly grew, or they're someone with a lot of money behind them. Or even the ones that slowly grew usually got some money behind them at some point, like an exorbitant amount of money to, to an extent. Obviously, not all of them like that. Yeah. But in general, across America, most coffee came, shops came, are that we, way. We truly came from the outside, I mean, in a sense. And it's, that was sort of the exciting part to us is that we didn't fully know what we were doing. <laughs> yeah, we still don't 100% know Who knows what, what they're doing good, though. Now. Yeah, no, I think that's good. I think when you get to a point of, like, we got it all figured out, it's probably a dangerous place to be. Because oh, you're Because sure. you're going to stop growing. You're going to stop learning. Yeah. And I think that's probably in any, any part of life. Mm-hmm. And what, what, uh, yeah, I agree. And the, the main thing is we want... a whole different discussion about yeah. religion when it comes to that. <laughs> <laughs> we wanted the branding to always be similar, like one or two words. We wanted it to be yeah. easy and say, hey, I'm going here. This is why. This is what it is. We didn't want to do easy like a... Easy word. Easy to spell. And we wanted something that yeah. was more... Cla- I mean, we were in design and always thinking, trying to think of <laughs> names for other people and help brand things even throughout school. And we didn't want it to be trend-based through a time. Like, I think if we look at certain brands like this and that like um, I feel like certain words tend to be oh that was a 2005 company that got started oh yeah like everything was adventure and like stuff like that yeah and which is fine it just we didn't want to be able to try we wanted to try to pick a brand that didn't date us in yeah. those ways, but it's really hard because it, it's, there's so many companies out there now, and there's yeah. so many people with names and branding that's great and mm-hmm. good, and there's even another Bandit Coffee group. group. Bandit Coffee group in But then Canada, Toronto, so Canada. Like, oh, interesting. And they're not as active. They weren't very active on It's just a small online. neighborhood coffee house, but I guess sort of branding ourselves to be Bandit Coffee Co., sort of puts down that foot of, of who we are and what we're doing yeah. in that sort of sense. And it also elevates us to a place that not necessarily that we wanted to put out in a pretentious way, but just sort of let people know, hey, we are about coffee. This is our focus. This is what 
we're seeking to bring to you because cafe style places are very common in, mm -hmm. in St. Pete in Florida and it's definitely like oh like we go you know get coffee but there's so much more I feel like establishing yourself as a coffee company really puts that out there to the world that hey you can read across the front right. of our building coffee, coffee. yeah that's who we are and that's what we're going to bring to you and we're a coffee bar yeah that's awesome yeah I I love it that's uh, I feel like picking a business name is it's the same thing as like picking a band name like Trying to figure out like what's gonna not sound weird and what's like you well, know it's still sound creative weird. and all that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the thing you won't hate. They've already had to do that what two or three times now. No, once. You had to change still. your band. What is your band name? I don't even know this. Limbs. 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 Got it. Oh, I did know that. Is that your? Is that your? Uh, is that your that's thing? That's it, dude. The, the L loser, on the, the L on the forehead. It's a T-shirt. That was my idea. That's a T-shirt. That's good. That's so funny. But it's 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 a crazy thing. Like even them like. Their old name was, they got like a cease and desist by a guy who wasn't even using the name. Stop it. Really? Names he kind of was, but not It's so weird. People I, are possessive. Yeah, that's true. They are. So, last couple questions, we'll wrap it up. Um, as what, what advice would you give to anyone trying to start their own company or start their own business or pursue their dream? Like, from your own experience, are there one or two things that you would say? Definitely think about this, or here's what I would say. You should take lots of vitamins. <laughs> take lots of vitamins, all right. I mean, but it's, it's, great, it's okay not to have everything figured out. Um, but if you're doing your own business, definitely over budget. Uh, everything's going to take twice as long and cost twice oh, as yeah. much, no matter what you think. And it's going to be twice as hard to an extent. And if it's easier, then great, then you won. Because that's amazing. So always plan for the worst, because um, it can bite you in the ass pretty quickly. But, I mean, it, it's okay to have a freelance business on the side, or it's okay to have a passion, but it not be your main mode of uh, money, because sometimes that can drown your passions. I've had several photographers that are like, I became wedding photographers, and now I don't like shooting anymore, because mm -hmm. I've done that. And, like, I think maybe that's what happened with me in advertising. I started to hate, uh, and it had nothing to do with even where I was or what was going on. It was just the general practice of big advertising I started to dislike and realize, like, this isn't for me. Mm -hmm. uh, which is why we're in coffee because I realize even in coffee I'm happy and I love I love serving people so I can do that through coffee but now this yeah. is going to allow me to still pursue photography travel and film on my free time and those are my passions outside of coffee as well but they kind of blend naturally together which kind of works out to my advantage but uh, it's okay not to have everything figured out or and I mean if you want to make a ton of money and that's your goal that's great um, but just trying to figure out why you're doing the certain things and who you're doing them with and not lose sight of the people that are actually behind you to help you. Mm. Uh, and it's, it's hard. It's definitely hard at times because you just want to like curse at a wall and throw a brick through it and, yeah. and, and you know everyone's out to get you at some point. But yeah. they're not. There's awesome people that are working hard and if you really believe about in people and the community then it'll get there. And maybe some. It's not okay to fold. I think Tim uh, Mateg gave me one of the best advice. He's he basically told me one night, like, "Hey, you don't have to make this work. It's okay to fold. It's mm. okay to somewhat fail at something. There's something, yeah. but don't let that crush you and stop you from doing anything. It's just on to the next thing. Uh, and you know." And you, he said, you obviously don't have to tell the world about it either. Like, it's, not a, it's yeah. not a pride thing. Like, if you try to make this... There's a point sometimes where if you try to make something work too much, 
um, it's going to really blow up in your yeah. face. And it's okay yeah. to walk away from something. Yeah. Um, That's such great advice, too. And as soon as I did that, everything fell into place. It was the weirdest thing. Like, yeah. I, I just said, I'm going to let go of this, and I'm no longer going to force it to work. Um, and I remember sitting down as a group, like, all of us feeling pretty in a rough spot and then it just kind of clicked and things yeah. started to work out and we just said it makes sense to continue to roll with it and we're yeah. going to keep doing it and here we are four months after being open that's so awesome I yeah that's great advice I had a girl on my on my podcast a few episodes ago too who's also in coffee in Dallas she worked for a shop called Method Coffee for a long time and she's kind of like a freelance barista as well and she started she started working on a on an app and she started a Kickstarter for it and she kind of maintains a blog herself but wanted to start an actual phone app called Caffeinated Travel. And just like you were talking about, like when you travel, going to a new city and where good like third wave coffee shops that I can go to. And um, she so she put this whole plan together, like Kickstarter campaign to raise money to start this thing that would be curated by uh, by baristas in those actual cities and give like profiles of like pinpoints my location and what's near me that I can go to and this this shop is great on espresso or their aesthetic is great but you know all that kind of stuff um, and she did this whole Kickstarter campaign and I think it's a brilliant idea and plenty of other people did too but she never she didn't hit the goal so she has not been able to develop the app but the thing that I love about it is like she didn't give up on it she's like okay well that that one time didn't work like that particular thing failed if you want to see this failing but um, I'm not going to give up on it. It's just not for right now. Like right now, it's not the time. I'm still going to do the blog. I'm still going to work on it, and I'm going to come back to developing that app because I think it's necessary. You know, um, but I think that's the one thing that keeps people from doing the thing that they love a lot of times. So that, that fear of the failure. But I think that's great advice. It's okay to fold. It, 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 that yeah, because it's almost terrifying. We're in a culture where it's like, oh, uh, you, you're a failure. And yeah, it's crazy. Right. Or and it, someone released a great like opinion piece on an article too about like working in the service industry and how like we're giving a craft back to people is a beautiful thing um, and it's okay to be a barista it's okay to be a bartender uh, and not a CEO of some company right. or not be an engineer I mean those all those jobs yeah. are great and, yeah. and we need them but if you really ha- are passionate about being a barista and a bartender, like we shouldn't look down on these service your job jobs. Your doesn't define your, your worth as, yeah, as a absolutely. person. Yeah, and then, absolutely. I found out that being a barista is a way harder job than I ever thought it would be. You have, mm-hmm. to, keep, you have to keep a good attitude for 10 to 12 hours a day, even if you work normal hours. Right. It's still a lot of time, and everyone knows. You, they walk through the door every day. You see a lot yeah. of the same people, which is crazy. Yeah. It's even harder than working retail in the mall for me. <laughs> Because I saw those people once a month. Mm. I see the same people almost every day, which is yeah. nuts. That's interesting. Like when I worked in advertising, I had to sit at my desk. I think the hardest thing is not even being able to take a 45-minute lunch whenever I want and just be like, oh, I'll work on that project later tonight as long as I get it done yeah. today. It's yeah. like, no, this whole person ordered this drink has to be done within three minutes. <laughs> right, right. It's nuts. Uh, yeah, And that's I think true. it's over, overshot. And then that's everywhere in the service industry. And I feel like that's why a lot of service industry people have each other's backs and yeah. tend to treat them a little bit differently. You can usually tell who worked in retail or service industry. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can tell the way someone treats a, a server oh, or sure. yeah, what they're... Mm-hmm. Uh, <coughs> so the last question I always ask... So final two questions. One, I, I ask you guys and then I ask a question to the audience. But the um, last question for you guys being that um, 
this whole idea of the podcast is boldly going. You guys are entrepreneurs. You're chasing your dream. Uh, do you think that every person has the ability, has the capability to boldly go and do whatever it is, to start their coffee business, to pursue their dream and whatever it is? Like, do you have philosophy on that? Do you think that is a capability for everyone to be able to do? believe that necessarily everyone has the power to necessarily like start a business or something I mean we're very much privileged in many ways that a lot of other people aren't but just because you can't start a business doesn't mean that you can't do other things with your life that you're gonna thoroughly enjoy and love um, and you know we, we've talked a lot tonight about success and like different forms of success you know like mm-hmm. and you know, I think what's most important to remember is not to define your success by what other people say is success, but ultimately do, you know, success is what you make of it, you know, a lot of times. I think everybody is to an extent as long as they're asking themselves, and this comes from, you know, uh, Joshua Fields Milburn, is, I like to use his quote of like, does this add value to my life? Mm. Uh, and I think when you reflect on that, and it, it makes it a lot easier to put things into perspective mm-hmm. and see where do you want to go and why. If you look at somebody like Joel Davis from Commune & Co., he seems like such a big presence in a big company now, but that guy mm-hmm. started pressure brewing coffee and selling it keg by keg, starting with one or two kegs here and a trike out on the corner um, with no funding. Yeah. Uh, to my knowledge and that's insane and very admirable and crazy and Mm -hmm. now he's such a big part in his community as a person but also the coffee community as pushing boundaries of what cold coffee is yeah um is nuts like Sprugs wrote an article on basically what Joel is doing and how it's Mm -hmm. replacing cold brew which is interesting it's just really cool we've Uh personally befriended a lot of small business owners through just our ongoings of our daily lives prior to opening the shop as well as you know with the shop we definitely have been able to fortunately meet and befriend a lot of small business owners in the area I think because we do have a lot of things in common with them but a common goal that I've seen through a lot of them is just that desire to make it happen and Mm -hmm. continue to grow and learn and I'm not sure if every person has that within them but a lot of them started from that square one. Even my dad is a small business owner that started over, he had a family business and then he had to restart from square one. He had a hat company that he was a part of for 30 years and restarted it by just buying bandana scarves, selling them just to turn that profit and built off of his inventory just from those sales. So he truly started with just that initial thousand dollars of his own pocket money just to get it started and just to personally have that in my family to look to I think that if you have the desire and the passion and just that strength to be able to just grind and just try to make it happen you can do it Chris is an eyes parents uh, father specifically had also started their own business in construction and really just Grinded hard every day, but took true 
pride in what they do. Yeah. Um, and I think that that goes farther than anything else. It's like no matter what you're doing at the moment, it may not be the most ideal job or the ideal situation, but you're putting your hands into it. You should take pride into it, even if you don't 100%. Like I worked at PacSun. I, yeah. I folded T-shirts, but I got to be from 16 to a manager at 18, even though when I looked, I knew I didn't want to be a manager forever. And I think some of the other managers were scared by that. I told them at 18, I don't want to do this forever. It's not what I'm doing, but I'm going to take pride in what I do now and give it my all. Mm, yeah. um, it, it just went goes a lot further. And, and not everyone's meant to own a shop or be yeah. tied down. I know, like, Colin Wright is a... Um, the original minimalist who is extremely successful by traveling to a new country every three or four months hmm. uh, based on his readers telling him where he should live um, oh, and he travels with a backpack and that's all he owns and that's all he does and I think that works amazing for him and that's why I think like Josh's quote on what adds value to your life mm-hmm. is the bigger one because our lives are also different it's not like a one case this will work for you and then this will work for you it's you kind of have to figure it out. Yeah. We're all so different, and I think just giving some respect, care, and trying to figure out what you want to do to, for you and other people is possible with everybody. Yeah. And going boldly doesn't necessarily mean I have $500,000 in the bank. Right. Because I can tell you right now, my bank account's pretty sad. <laughs> um, and I don't know if I'm so going boldly here or not, but... <laughs> yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Yeah, those are great, those are great answers. Um, I, I love that. I'm just going to mention this. I want to go back. We're going to have to talk about it. But I love what you said about cornerstones of community. Because I never thought about like bars and coffee shops kind of being that. But there's there's absolutely a common thread with all of you about community, that coffee. Like coffee is more than just coffee. Your business is more than just a business. Like it's community. It's about being a cornerstone of the community for you. And I think it's awesome. That's, I think more people should operate their businesses that way. So good on you guys. Uh, so, oh, real quick. Is there anything you want to promote? Anything that, like, you have coming up, this is going to come out, like, next week sometime. So, anything? Uh, anything? We do have a throwdown June 30th, um, which is going to be open to the public. Whether Locked you're whether you're a barista yeah. or not, we're going to make it fun for everybody um, is the goal. We're going to have drinks. Uh, we're talking with the Benz about them, having them coming out and doing nice. drinks. Okay. Uh, we'll have beers on tap as well. And we're going to have cool judges, some good music. It'll be um, our first big event to be able to sort of host people in our space beyond just the business capacity. Yeah. Oftentimes it's a really great event, these Latte Art Throwdowns, to have everybody in the coffee community get together, and they come from across the state, but it's definitely going to be our first opportunity to be able to open up the space on just a come hang out level, yeah. so it's going to be... A party. be it's going to be a party. It's just a celebration, really. Of us. I mean, because a latte art throwdown, as much as we take <laughs> latte art seriously at some points, um, it's just to get the coffee community together to hang yeah. out. But we definitely want to – everyone is, is interested in it, and we yeah. want to make it fun um, and have people, having people compete around coffee. But at the same time, it's just about the community around it. Yeah. So it's just cool. a chance for everyone to hang out, some people to make a little bit of money with some of their mad skills. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, right. Maybe. I don't know. The other thing, um, our business partners, Josh and Ryan, do have a documentary that just dropped. Yeah. Um, and it just hit theatrical release across the nation. Oh, cool. Uh, there's a couple different ways to check it out. What's it called? Um, Minimalism. Okay. And it's a documentary that um, is pretty crazy and pretty good. Um, it's a film about the important things. Yeah. Nice. 
But I mean, it, awesome. it's a cornerstone of what our company is yeah. before they were business partners. Yeah. Um, and, and they're only really business partners because they invested in us as people, yeah. not okay. a business. Um, and like the business part came second. Yeah, yeah. very much. Yeah. Um, it just worked out to everyone's advantage. Cool. Um, but that film specifically kind of is an easy way to showcase like what is minimalism and it's not this crazy cultish weird type of thing it's just a way yeah. of thinking um and puts things into perspective yeah uh, so i think that very much is ingrained in what we do as a shop as well yeah um, as far as other events we're working on we do have pride right around the corner and we will be present um outside we invite everyone to come hang out um we're working on a couple other things, but nothing set in stone at the exact moment. Um, we will probably be present at the July Indie Market in St. Pete. Okay, um, awesome. We're talking about doing a collab booth with Commune & Co. Nice. Um, yeah. It's like halfway set in stone, so. Okay, all right, cool. <laughs> we invite people so, though to just, you know, keep yeah. an eye on our socials if they wanna yeah, yeah. keep in touch with us because we really try to use that as an outlet to keep in touch with everybody. Uh, it's definitely a fortunate open outlet that we can be able to, you know, connect with our community in an awesome way outside of the shop, get to see their perspective of things. And yeah. we also get to let them know, even when we had Tropical Storm Colin that came through last week, just to let people know, hey, we're closed, stay home, stay safe. I think that's a really cool outlet that we can have to yeah. be able to communicate with people beyond the shop. So yeah, we just invite. What is your social media handles? Bandit Coffee Co. Bandit Coffee Co. Keep it simple, yeah. Very nice. Awesome. Except for on Twitter because I lost the password. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> and they we, won't give it back to me. We, we don't oh, like tweeting, man. though. Just, we're much more image-based yeah, people yeah, for inherently. Sure. So. You're photographers and advertisers. Of course. <laughs> makes sense. Uh, cool. So, guys, since we're on the podcast, I'm going to end it real quick with just uh, the question to the audience. You've heard a story. You've heard a conversation of people that are doing their thing that they love. They're passionately pursuing what they love. And my question, as always at the end, to you as the listener is, what is the one thing that you can do today, this week, this month, to begin pursuing your passion, to take that next step, whether it be if it's a business that you want to start, if it's an art piece that you want to do, if it's a book you want to write, whatever it is, like you don't have to do it all right now. What's the one thing that you can start this week down that journey and follow the example of like what Bandit Coffee Crew is doing of uh, building community and uh, being cornerstones of that in their community. So... Guys, thanks for being on the podcast. You're awesome. Thanks Thank for having oh, us. Yeah. Of course. Sweet. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to have the last word. <laughs> oh, everybody's done.